Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And today we've got someone on the show, Mark Murky from Life Insurance Settlements. Mark, you're the first person on to talk about life insurance settlements. So we're going to learn a ton. Thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this would be good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my firm, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my, my firm. We're a life settlement broker, and I've been involved in this space for 21 years now, which that's our uh, sole responsibility to represent the sellers that advisors bring to us or consumers come to us direct and help them in the liquidation or sale of a life insurance policy that they own. Uh, I got involved in this 21 odd years ago with my three partners who've been in the industry for about 25 years. And, um, you know, really, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. We, we, we tell folks we have nothing really to sell. We're truly, tr- uh, truly trying to educate consumers on what a life settlement is. And um, we reside down here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, we've been down here for my partner's 25 plus years. And um, again, thanks for... Thanks for having me on today. Well, I have to attest to your education and teaching background because I got connected to you. And the first thing you did was send me about 12 or 13 different brochures, <laughs> informational pieces. And I thought I knew a little bit of like, about life settlements. And I knew a whole lot more after just being introduced to you and, and looking at your, your different information. So what, just share with us, what, what is a life settlement? Sure. Well, life settlement is when you're selling a life insurance policy that you own or have owned for two years or more. Whether that policy is a universal life policy, a convertible term, a survivorship, you enter into a transaction where you've had the policy appraised by institutional investors, which is what we represent as a life settlement broker. There's dozens of institutional investment groups that can potentially buy a client's life insurance policy. So instead of going to their insurance carrier where they say, okay, I have this John Hancock $1 million universal life policy. It's got 50 grand in cash surrender value. Is that my best option? Well, not necessarily. There's a secondary market, which again, made up of institutional investors that can look at a client based on their age and their health and then the policy premiums going forward. And in many instances, buy that policy back from the insured at an amount that might be two or four or seven times the insurance carrier's cash surrender value. So a life settlement, pure and simple, you're selling your life insurance contract to a third party. That is a life settlement. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of people are maybe used to, they look at their statement and it has something called a cash surrender value. Surrender kind of means give up right? It's, uh, you're just giving this up right back to the, the company. And at least there is a cash surrender value in there. There ought to be, because that's how a lot of these cash value, whole life, permanent life type of policies are, are built. So there's, there's supposed to be a cash surrender value, but you sure. remember the word surrender is just to give up, right? And Absolutely. you've introduced a whole lot of different things in there. The idea that you could actually sell the policy yeah, in a way- I like how you bring this up that really, if you give up the policy back to the, the insurance company that, that sold it to you to begin with, you're, you're really just selling it right back to them. You know, it's, you're saying, I'm here you go, you take it back. And then of course they give you the cash surrender value, 
but apparently you can go out and sell it to other people. And you, the only thing you know is on your statement is it's cash under value. So you, you've got this thing called appraising it. What, what would, how do you appraise? I know how to appraise a house. I mean, I don't know sure. how to do it, but I know that it exists, right? Sure. <laughs> how do you appraise a life insurance policy? Well, sure. My, I'm glad you brought that up. My industry is similar to appraising any asset that you own. So let's take a house. If you have a house that you've bought and you've owned for whether it's two years or 22 years, and you've decided that a house no longer meets your needs, your kids are growing up, they left the house, it's too big for you, you can't afford it, you just don't need it anymore. What do you do? Well, you typically put the house on the market through a real estate agent or maybe through yourself. And what does that mean? Well, you line up all the potential buyers and you put a price on that policy, that house, and you see who wants to pay you the most for the sale of that house. Well, the same logic, the same type of parameters apply in a life settlement. There's dozens of institutional funds, and these are large accredited investment capital firms, uh, GE, Berkshire Capital. You've got a number of them that they buy insurance policies, they put them in a portfolio, and that portfolio pays a return over time. So what does the appraisal consist of? Well, when I take a client on or anybody in the life settlement industry, when they look at a client, they're going to look at the client's age. Uh, Life settlement is typically on a senior, someone that's 65 or older, that for whatever reason has decided they no longer want their insurance policy. And instead of surrendering back to the insurance carrier, they say, okay, well, let's look at this life settlement option. So they're 65 and older. They own a $100,000 death benefit or more. The average life settlement somewhere around a million dollars, but the minimum face value is 100K. And then the buyers, again, a broker like myself represents all the institutional capital, large accredited investment funds that look at the client's age. We do collect medical records. We do give a mortality rating and or a life expectancy. And yes, I know that's morbid to some folks, but that is what goes on in the pricing of a policy. You're going to look at the client's medical records. You're going to assess a life expectancy, whether that's two years or 22 years. You're going to come up with that number. And then you're going to look at the policy premiums going forward. And what we do as a broker is put all the buyers in the same room. We give them the same opportunity. We give them the same information. We give them medical records, the client's policy information, an illustration, a copy of the policy, life expectancy quotes. And those buyers will all look at that policy and decide, okay, based on the internal rate of return that we might want to make, whether it's 8%, 10%, 12%, 14%, here's our offer. And it is a bidding scenario, very similar to putting your house up to auction. You may have 10 buyers that all love your house. One buyer starts off at a million, and then it goes to a million fifty, and a million one, and a million two. And it's a bidding scenario until all the buyers have chimed in with their final bid. Same thing exists with a life settlement. You put all the buyers in the same room. They're called providers. And again, you usually have a dozen or two dozen institutional buyers, if not more, that can sit and appraise a client's policy. So we put them in that room. We go through a back and forth bidding process until we have the highest number. And once we've achieved that number, we call our client direct and say, hey, Mr. Jones, or if it's Mr. Jones Financial Advisor, great news. Your million dollar policy that had 50 grand cash surrender. Well, guess what? We've got a life settlement fund that will give you 250 grand or whatever the number may be. So that's kind of the appraisal process. Yeah, I'm loving how we're going towards the connection to the real estate. It's a lot easier to really understand something like this, which is brand new to so many people by connecting it to how they're maybe used to other things. And and real estate, uh, you often have inspections, appraisers, you've got the the underwriting, 
You're just trying sure. to see like, what's the, um, what's the situation going on with the, the person. And of course sure. you have the real estate broker. That's, they'll probably give you a good idea of what your house might be worth, but you don't know that mm -hmm. for sure until you get it onto the market. And Correct. the term you used uh, secondary, mm -hmm. it's interesting. That just means it's not the primary. It's not the, it's not the person that created the life insurance policy. And mm -hmm. it's, it's the same thing with your house. Uh, if you bought the house and you, you sell it, you're selling it to the secondary market. It's just mm -hmm. people that have no connection to the house or the, the builder. You know, mm -hmm. Basically, no one, when you're selling your house, sells it back to the builder. That would be the, the primary <laughs> market and no one does that. And so <laughs> uh, here you go. Why, why do people sell their life insurance policies back to the primary builder of the insurance being, being the company, you know, why right. not go and talk to a broker and see what the market's offering and try to get the sure. highest bidder. Yeah. yeah. I, we'll have to, we'll have to try to package that into a very neat story, but I, I think it's there. I think that's yeah. there. we can figure that one out. Absolutely. You know, you appraise, and I may have said this, but you appraise any of your assets that you own. And when you feel that asset's no longer in need, you have that appraise, whether it's your stocks, your bonds, your real estate, your cars, jewels, whatever it is. And the same concept exists for a life insurance policy. It is an asset that has a real value in today's market, in the secondary market, that potentially can be above and beyond what the life insurance carrier says your value is. Now, the life insurance carrier's surrender value may be the highest number, but that's what we find out in a life settlement appraisal. When we put it out know. to bid, yeah, and then you know, you know that, okay, the life insurance carrier says it's worth 50 grand cash surrender. Well, wait a second, the life settlement market and one of the institutional buyers that exists within that market says it's worth 200 or 250, or we may come back with an appraisal that says, no, your cash surrender value is the highest number. So we never know until we take the client on, you know, by asking a few questions before we even fill an application. I usually have a great sense of whether or not we have a good fit to beat a client's cash surrender. And if we do, we say, okay, let's get an application in and go forward. Yeah. Great. Now you've got uh, something you shared with me earlier that there's basically half a million policies, life insurance policies, laps. They're just done with every year. And yet only 3000 life insurance policies every year actually go through the life insurance are sold to the, the secondary market it's settled, I guess the life insurance companies are, or the life insurance policies themselves are, are, are sold. That's a Correct. surprisingly low, low number. Like there's there less than 1% of the potential there is, is actually being found. Yep. Yep. You're, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I'll throw some statistics out at you. And these are real numbers. Like you said, there are 500,000 life insurance policies that lapse on seniors alone. That's just folks that are 65 and older. Remember, that's our marketplace. And that represents about 85% of term policies never actually end up in paying a death claim. And 88% of universal life policies never actually end up in paying a death claim. What does that mean? means the client surrendered the policy back to the insurance carrier. There's around 500,000 of those every single year on seniors. My industry in 2020, those are the latest numbers we have right now, bought about 3,300, 3,000 policies uh, from clients. How many did we appraise? Probably significantly higher than that, 10,000, 12,000, 15,000. But there is a big disconnect. If there's 500,000 policies lapsing every year, yet the life settlement industry is only purchasing 3,000, why is that? Well, it's, it's, there's education. There's a lack of education. The insurance carriers, and I'm not picking on them, they don't exactly like our market. They like when a policy lapses. That's how they make their money. But at the end of the day, if you're truly representing your client or have a fiduciary obligation, 
my industry can be an absolutely outstanding alternative for a client, whether that client's worth 50 grand or whether they're worth 50 million. If they have mm-hmm. this policy and they don't need it, why wouldn't you have it appraised? So that's, that's where I come in and trying to educate financial planners, um, estate planners, attorneys, CPAs, consumers, anyone and everyone about the life settlement option. Yeah. Now, what would be the most common reasons people are getting a life insurance settlement? Sure. A lot of times, you know, we, we buy life insurance when we're younger. We buy it to cover our spouse, our kids. Uh, if we're upper, higher net worth, we buy it to cover our state taxes. We buy it to cover our business as any key man policies. Various reasons people buy insurance. Well, the same reasons that people buy insurance exist for why they sell insurance. They took a key man policy out when they were younger. They bought a business. Guess what? They sold the business. They don't need the key man policy anymore. So they sell it or they return it back to the carrier and and they surrender. Uh, You buy life insurance to cover your children. What happens when your children grow up and they're now successful entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, whatever you want to say, they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s. Do mom and dad still need that life insurance policy? Maybe not. Um, lack of performance. That's one of the biggest issues we see where a client takes out a universal life policy, has projected returns of 8, 10, 12%. And now they're looking at their statement 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and they're going, wait a second, my return looks like 2 or 3%. This isn't working out. And I'm not picking on the life insurance carriers. Some of them work out great. Whole life policies, in my opinion, are terrific investment. Universal life Sometimes not. That's 70% of what a life settlement or in the life settlement injury, 70% of sales are underperforming universal life policies. So the very reasons for people taking out insurance exists for why they want to get rid of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a, makes a lot of sense. So you might have had a policy because you had a business, but then you sold it. Sure. Or I'm, I'm thinking through a few years ago, the estate tax situations were mm-hmm. a lot lower. Like you hit a million dollars and all of a sudden you have estate taxes. Well, now mm-hmm. it's 2022 and it's like, if you're if you're married, it's like 23 million before yep. you Correct. get that. So why, why bother still having mm-hmm. that insurance policy sometimes uh, in there? Or you yeah. have a term policy. You, you were telling me this earlier that uh, there's even term policies that could turn into a life settlement, which just seems odd to me. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, you, yeah I'm glad there's you There's no cash that value up. there. Yeah, term policies are probably the second or third most frequently bought in a life settlement transaction. And typically, it looks like this. You've got a client that's taken out the term policy in their 50s or 60s, and it was a 10 or 20-year term. And now they're at the last year of that policy's term period. And they have two options, to convert it to a permanent policy, a universal life or a whole life, and typically pay significantly higher premiums or begin to pay the annual renewable term premiums which once you get into years two, three, four, and five, those term premiums skyrocket. So what do people do? 85% of the time when they get near the end of their 10 or 20 year term or 15, they say, done. I used it for the 10, 15, 20 years. Here you go, Mr. Insurance Carry. You can have it back. And they get zero. My industry says, hold on, time out. If you're typically 70 or and above, and you own a term policy, and this is key, that the policy is still within its conversion period. Every life insurance carrier will tell you exactly when your conversion period ends. That's when you want to call up a life settlement entity, a broker, whatever, and say, hey, I have this convertible term policy. It's $100,000 or more in death benefit, and I'm 70 plus years old or whatever you are. Can I have it appraised? And the answer is always going to be yes. 
So what we're going to look at is the same thing, the client's age, their medical records, and then the conversion of that policy, or at least an illustration showing what the conversion premiums look like. And a lot of times we can take a policy that has absolutely zero value if you surrender it back to the insurance carrier and turn that into money to the client. So that's a, that's a very big part of our, our industry that gets overlooked far too often. Clients with term simply let it go at the end of their term period instead of looking at a life settlement appraisal. Yeah, I mean, that was a new one for me. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I want everyone else to, to, to know about that, to, to think about those term policies. And I like what you said, the conversion period, because that mm-hmm. doesn't always match up. Where if you have a 20-year term policy, it's not that the entire 20 years, it could be, but it's not necessarily that you have the entire 20 years to convert this over to something that lasts your whole lifetime, that is permanent. There, there should be in there, in, inside of your, your documents from the insurance company on this term insurance, of here's how long the conversion period lasts. There might not be one, but it'll be, it should say it. Like, here's yeah. how long it is. It might not necessarily be exactly how long you thought the term policy lasts. So you got to, got to figure that one out. Yeah, and it's important to know your policy for sure. Know when that conversion period ends. And you'll know when your premiums start to skyrocket when you're in the annual renewable term period, which Mm -hmm. you then you start seeing your premiums double and triple and quadruple. And we want to get to those policies before then. We want to make sure they're still convertible because there's a lot of buyers that really, uh, they take advantage and and buy those convertible term policies and are able to put some money into a client's pocket instead of surrendering it for zero. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Well, one thing you've said too is the policy is no longer affordable because of the, the performance. So a lot of times people have, especially with these universal life policies, they might've got it in the eighties and they are showing, oh, this will work out well at a 10% interest rate or in the nineties, it'll work out well at a, at a 7% interest rate, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously that hasn't been happening. Uh, on there. And what happens, uh, I see this, I've had my life insurance license for almost 20 years now, and I'll see this, I'll, I'll run into people that are in their 70s or 80s, and I'll see where they even had the original one of this was supposed to be paid up by now, was the, the thought. And wow. here they are thinking that they'll have an asset, and instead they almost have a, a bill that's coming due that they weren't expecting mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, because if you look at it, it could be, oh my goodness, this is actually very valuable, and if they would just be able to put the extra money in, this could work out well for the family. I mean, not for them because they're not around when it pays out, but I could totally see how the rates of return could be high where it's, oh my goodness, this is a great thing. You've got to keep this policy, but then you can't because you can't afford it. And most people either kind of wait till the end. I've seen that usually, this is what I usually see. Tell me if I'm wrong. Usually I see where they kind of wait till the end and they think, well, maybe it'll turn around or maybe I'll just die before the policy runs out. And the next thing you know, yeah. it runs out and they're very bitter about yeah. it. And and that's an unfortunate situation that also could have been solved ahead of time by keeping an eye on their insurance statement every single year. Because that every mm-hmm. single year statement will show them how long the policy is supposed to last. And sure. it could have been solved by working with the 
insurance company or agent to understand how much truly needs to be put in that policy. I'll tell you this right now. If your insurance company told you in 1984 that you only need to put away $100 a, a year into this policy, it's probably wrong. Like something's changed in the last 30, 40 years. And so Correct. it's worth getting those updates. And then even beyond that, yes, maybe it's too late for you to kind of solve the policy and get something out of it for your family through the company. But there you go. You could you could sell it, say this is still worthwhile if you find somebody with a lot of money. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing the institutional providers have a lot of money where they can make this work and say, here, we'll we'll pay the the person that owns the insurance to to buy mm-hmm. it off of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Far too often. That's what we see is universal life policies. And you know, I'm not picking on the industry, but that's far too often what we see is a client took a policy out. 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they had this projected return of 8%. And what they did not know or, or were not aware of is that the cost of insurance may go up over the years. Mm-hmm. I think we've had uh, somewhere around 15 or 16 life insurance carriers over the last few years change their cost of insurance. What does that mean? Well, cost of insurance went up. So that $100 you were putting in every month, every year, well, guess what? That's not quite going to get you the 8% return. It might get you 1%. Uh, you need to put in 150 now to get that 8% return or whatever it may be. But that's far too often what we see is a universal life policy that the client's staring at their return, their cash surrender values are well down in the policy, or maybe they're at zero. And the client's decided, you know, I just don't know if I can afford paying this premium, or I don't know that I really need it anymore because my kids are growing up, my business is sold, or for whatever reason we make it into. And that's when they want to look into my industry. And that's when they want to find out, all right, well, what does a life settlement appraisal look like on my policy? And the good thing about an appraisal, it's just that. We do it for free. We come back and we're able to tell the client some really beneficial information. And by that, I mean, we do a mortality study. And I am, we're very you know, straight up when we give transparent information to their client and to the advisor and that we can say, all right, well, Mr. Jones policy that he bought this UL policy that's got 50 grand in it. Well, we did a mortality study. He has 12 years to live. And based on that, well, guess what? We have a life settlement offer. It's 200 grand. Or he can keep paying premiums for the projected 12 years. And you can see what that might equal based on whatever insurance carrier says. So when you do a life settlement appraisal, you really get a comprehensive view of why it makes sense to sell your policy. Or maybe maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe you sell, now I'm going to keep it and I'm going to hold on to it. Because no one, if you enter into a life settlement and you sell your policy, typically your health isn't such that you can go out and get a new policy. So we always mm-hmm. tell folks that you know we want to make sure you, you're done with this policy. It hasn't performed. You don't need it. And if so, we're going to do our best to go out and find a settlement offer for you that's well above your cash surrender value. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, ask you a couple of things here quick. And uh, you're not a uh, tax advisor, I assume, but how does the taxes mm-hmm. work? Can you sure. Um, yeah, we can't give tax advice, but I'll tell you, in my 21 years experience, you will be taxed in a life settlement and we have tax papers to pass on to our clients and you'll be taxed on the game. So let me give you a very generic uh, example. Let's say a client has a million dollar policy. They've paid in $100,000. That's their cost basis. Mm-hmm. And let's say their cash surrender is also $100,000. And let's say we go out and get them an offer of 200000 They will be taxed on the gain above and over their cost basis and or cash surrender at long-term capital gains rates. Again, we have tax papers to hand out to people to show them that if you enter into a settlement uh, and we give you more than your cash surrender or more than your cost basis, here's what your taxable gain is. And again, long-term capital gains at 18 20%. But uh, yeah, the IRS will, will uh, just like any other investment, they will want a uh, 
part of that um, in taxes. Well, you should because uh, you made more money than you put in. And I suppose sure. if you happen to put in more money than what you get out of it, well, at least you're getting something out of it. And at the same mm-hmm. time, there's you know, tax consequences there as well. Too. Yeah, absolutely. We never had a client walk away and say, well, geez, I'm not going to do a settlement because I have to pay taxes because typically right. they're in a scenario where <laughs> they're done with the policy and we've given them an amount that's far above their cash surrender and or cost basis. And they say, oh, okay, I'll pay taxes. So, yeah, exactly. Now, do you mind sharing with us a few examples of just wanting to get people thinking of maybe some situations or some examples? And of course, these are probably going to be the you know the most positive examples that you can find right on. Sure. Um, but at the same, same time, it's giving people an idea of why did somebody have an insurance policy, decided they no longer wanted it or needed it, and then what were they able to get out of it uh, on there? Okay. Well, every, every life settlement is different. So there's not an average settlement. Everyone is different. You know, whether you're selling your business or retiring, or you, you just don't need this UL policy, every settlement is different. So I'll just give you industry statistics. How about that? Um, on average, a consumer gets around, it's 19.8% of the value of the death benefit of their policy in a life settlement million dollar policy, the average life settlement offer is going to be right around 200 grand. As I said, most of what we see is universal life policies. A client has a million dollar, a $500,000 policy. They've paid in all these premiums over the years. Their cash surrender is down to very little, if any, and they've decided, I don't need the policy. Well, what can I do? That's where we step in and say, don't just surrender it. Have it appraised to a life settlement or appraisal on average. And these are quotable numbers. I pass on information to anyone. On average, a life settlement will return. London Business School did a study returned up to four to seven times the client's cash surrender value. So if you were looking for like further case examples, is that what you're asking, Jeremy? Yeah. So, I mean, well, if, it, if it's four to seven times, it, it just might be in it. It's nuts because it, it's averages. People ask me, what's the average in the stock market? Well, here's what it is, mm-hmm. but it's completely irrelevant to you. Sure. Because yeah. uh, it's almost like the average never happens, right? You might have uh, somebody that gets uh, the same amount or sure. double and somebody that gets, you know, seven times. And so yeah. uh, that's right. I'll give so you, it's typically I'll give the you examples you're giving me were people that are like 74, that are 84. Uh, mm-hmm. Oftentimes they have the half million dollar policy, million dollar mm-hmm. policy, and something happened, just something changed. Like the, yeah. the spouse died. And the whole reason you had the insurance is because of the spouse. Uh, yeah. But if they're no longer here, don't just give up the policy. Remember, surrender means give up. Don't just give yeah. up the policy. Maybe find a way to, to sell the policy and get more out of it. Or perhaps, like you said earlier, the the illustrations of policy just not performing in a way that you can make it work, but the mm-hmm. life insurance uh, settlement could work out better for you. Or the, sure. the estate laws change and you just don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, those are things yeah, I'll give you. Yeah, I'll give you one of my favorite from a couple of years ago. This this is on a very high net worth client. And again, we look at clients, whether you're low to mid net worth to super high net worth. This was on a client who owned a $10 million term policy, decided it was at the end of the 10-year period. He no longer needed it. He had other insurance in force. His advisor called me up and says, Mark, I've got this. He was 73 years old, having some minor health issues, just didn't need the policy. He was getting ready to surrender it. My advisor said, what do you think? I said, absolutely. We need to look at this. We put it through the appraisal process. We ended up giving the seller of this $10 million convertible term policy who is getting ready to surrender it for zero back to the insurance carrier. We gave him 550 grand. Mm. He immediately sat back down with his advisor and he reinvested that into an annuity. So 
if you're working with an advisor or you are an advisor listening to this, a life settlement option can really create opportunities for you because you help a client sell this asset that they no longer want, need, or can afford. That's their policy. And now we're giving them a check, whether it's for 5000 or in this case, 550000 You have the ability to sit down with your client and say, where would you like to reinvest these proceeds if you'd like to do that, Mr. Client? And if you're a consumer listening to this, you absolutely have the right to sell that policy. You have that cash in your pocket, and now you can do whatever you want with that money. Uh, that yeah, was probably one of my question. favorite, yeah, favorite uh, sales a couple of years ago. I love it. Well, and people are asking, like, what can I do with it? Well, you might have a mortgage or other debt. <laughs> you can you can pay it off. It's your money. You can do anything you want. And I yeah. love how you mentioned that he turned it into some way to get extra income. So instead of paying the premium yourself, you end up turning it into uh, an income. I think uh, yeah. a lot of times people are looking for ways of what if the market drops and how do I make sure that I still have enough later on? Well, we've, mm-hmm. we've had people on the show, we've talked about reverse mortgages, this seems mm-hmm. like almost in a way a reverse mortgage for your life insurance. I don't know. Very, very similar concept. And I don't yeah. know all the ins and outs of a reverse mortgage, but I think what you do is you give up the right to have your home. You still live in your home, but they're giving you some kind of cash for the sale of that home back to that investment group. Well, same thing exists for a life settlement. You're giving up the ownership of your life insurance policy. You're still the insured And when you pass away, whether that's two years or 22 years down the road, and that's kind of the parameters of what the life settlement buyers are looking for. They want to buy a policy on an insured that has life expectancy of two to 22 years. So that's what they buy. They buy those policies. They're able to give the insured, the seller, more money than what the seller would receive from the insurance carrier. And everybody walks away happy. I like it. Good. Well, you've definitely educated all of us. Appreciate all the time that you've you've spent with me previously sure. talking through a lot of this. And, and just right Absolutely. now, I think everyone listening is, is definitely coming out way ahead by learning uh, all about uh, life insurance settlements through you, Mark. And how can sure. they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, my, I don't know if you put this number up here, but you can always reach me in the office at, uh, I'll give you my direct cell phone, 954-326-9378. Again, I'll say that again, 954 954- Three two six nine three seven eight. That's my direct cell phone here in Florida. I'm available from seven in the morning to eight o'clock at nine o'clock at night. Or if you'd like to send me an email, my email is Mark M at L I settlements.com and settlements is plural. So it's M A R K M at L I S E T T L E M E N T S.com. And again, the name of our firm is uh, life insurance settlements.com. You can look us up at www.lisettlements.com and that'll give you a wealth of information on the life settlement industry, the process, and just more on um, this whole topic. And if it's something you want to look further into, absolutely everything starts from a phone call into myself. And I'll kind of ask you a few questions about your age, your health, your policy. And then on that phone call, we can always tell you right then and there, hey, you've got a great policy for a potential life settlement. But we may tell you, hey, you don't have a policy and here's why. So Mm -hmm. very easy process. Process does take, by the way, about 30 days to put an offer together. And then you look at another 30, 45 days uh, to close, meaning to get the client funded. So you're usually looking at you know, a couple of month window from start to finish to enter into a life settlement and finish up the transaction. Again, sounded more and more like the real estate world where it is. It, <laughs> but people are very, used to. Very and so similar. just, just yeah. translate, think through how you, you did your last uh, home sale and, and think how it might work for, uh, for your life insurance sale. Uh, Correct. Good. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Mark, for coming on the show. This has been been great. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.